0: I want to tell you something and that is operating a food company has been one of the most challenging endeavors of my life from innovating products that we want to land at the intersection of taste and nutrition to wrestling with supply chain issues and managing inventory. I have had more sleepless nights in the past three years than I have in the last 30, including the 12 when I was a firefighter. But no one tells you that food is hard. But I also want to say it's because of each of you that we continue to get in the trenches day after day after day. It's in our core values to keep at it, knowing that we are filling a giant void in the market with products that you can't find anywhere else. And this makes it easier for us to climb out of bed each day. I wanna thank you for your patience. We are anxiously awaiting the return of our organic pancake and waffle mixes. And we're excited to announce that our Plant Strong Milks will be available online later this week, followed soon thereafter by the return of our exciting new burger mixes. Our goal is to be your reliable and trustworthy partner for all things plant strong, allowing you to stock up on healthy meals that you can make and enjoy in minutes while still managing your busy lives. I appreciate each and every one of you and want you to know that the effort will be worth it once more brands start to care about the integrity of the nutrition that they're putting into their products. Thank you so much for your support, and please stay tuned for exciting updates at PlanStrong.com.
1: You know, I'm, I'm a believer in just sharing. This is the data. Yep. And now you get to decide what you want for you, mm-hmm. and I will support you in that. And I'm going to push you as far as you'll let me push you to whole food, plant based, because I know that that's the best outcome for you. But you are the one who gets to set. You've got complete veto power here, and you can say, "No, I'm not ready for that yet." No problem. It's a process. We're going we're gonna to loosen the lid and then we're going to take the, take the lid off next time.
0: Season three of the Plant Strong podcast explores those Galileo moments where you seek to understand the real truth around your health and dare to see the world through a different lens. This season, we honor those courageous seekers who are paving the way for you and me so grab your telescope point it towards your future and let's get plant strong together hello this is rip esselston and welcome to the plan strong podcast i'm going to start today with a very depressing statistic right now Close to 650,000 people die each and every year of heart-related disease. That's one in every four deaths. And despite the headlines surrounding COVID, which are tragic, heart disease is still the number one cause of death in the United States and around the world. To quote my father, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr., coronary artery disease is nothing more than a toothless paper tiger. That need never exist, And if it does exist, it need never progress. I want you to get a visual on that. A toothless paper tiger. I've heard my dad say it a thousand times, but really, think about it. Heart disease sounds like a death sentence. And like a tiger, it's not something you want to have lurking in your body or stalking you through your life. It sounds fatal and final and deadly. It is toothless and made of paper. That's because heart disease is not just the luck of the draw or even some genetic crap sandwich served to you by your family members. Yes, you can be predisposed or even have risk factors baked into your genes, but it's your lifestyle that turns these genes on and off. You ultimately control the destination over that paper tiger and whether it grows fangs or remains toothless. Today, I want to introduce you to cardiologist, Dr. Brian Aspel. After years of treating patients wrecked with poor lifestyle choices, debilitating surgeries, and multiple medications, Dr. Aspel had his own aha moment that inspired him to divert from traditional cardiology and become the first person in the world to become certified in lifestyle medicine. What does that mean exactly? Well, in a nutshell, lifestyle medicine focuses on the whole person and the importance of several factors, including nutrition, exercise, stress management, sleep, and our relationships as the foundation of good health. A healthy lifestyle is the medicine instead of going straight to the pills and the procedures. Today, Brian will tell us about that journey and share some of the dramatic stories and results that he's seen in some of his own heart patients who have been empowered to make positive lifestyle change. And as a bonus, make sure you keep listening because later I'm gonna tell you all about a free live event we'll be hosting with Dr. Aspel and my father, and you're invited. Here we are, season three of the Plant Strong Podcast. I want to welcome Dr. Brian Asbol. Uh, Brian and I actually go back to 2018, I believe it was, when you came to Plant Stock that was in Asheville, yep. uh, North Carolina, and, and that was obviously that was a, a doozy of a weekend that we had there. And I'm so glad you were able to come. And then since then, we've gotten together a handful of times. You came down to Austin to visit the Whole Food headquarters and John Mackey. And, but you are, you are doing some really exciting things in the field of cardiology, and, and I want to get into that in a second. But before, before I do, I want to ask you just this. At what age were you when you knew that you wanted to go into medicine?
1: That's a good question. I actually, what comes to mind is say about 14 and I actually wanted to be a zoo vet for a long time. I wanted to take care of polar bears and tigers and stuff like that. And I remember sitting at my grandmother's kitchen table and she sat me down when I was about 14 and said, nope, you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be a pastor and you're going to have pets. (laughs) And, uh, and you know, I didn't want to be a pastor. Uh, so I'm a doctor. It worked out okay.
0: <laughs> so, if, so, if, and, and so at fourteen, that road was just already getting paid for you, and 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 you ne- and you never looked back. Is that right? I
1: never looked back. You know, it's funny when I talk to other people who have had you know different careers. I, I think a lot of doctors sometimes are a little bit envious of those people who had more of a circuitous route. The mm-hmm. only negative I could say about the doctor path is that it is just so straight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. High school, college, med school, internship, residency, fellowship, and then you're finally there. And it's, uh, it's a straight and narrow path. So I'm glad to have recently detoured.
0: <laughs> you have, and we're going to talk about that. So where did you, uh, you go to medical school?
1: Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, the in the country. I grew up in Columbia, South Carolina, and so that was a, a financially the right option for me.
0: Yep. And so you're you're in medical school. And what year were you in when you decided, you know what, I'm going into cardiology? Well,
1: I decided I didn't decide at that time, I decided to go into internal medicine. Yep, uh, because it was sort of, uh, you know, what I thought a real doctor would be about, you know, sort of intellectual, I didn't want to be a surgeon, but I wanted to kind of know a lot about everything. So internal medicine felt like the right fit. And then I wasn't even sure, honestly, after my internal medicine residency until my last year. So I had a year where I was in private practice in between internal medicine residency and cardiology fellowship. Cardiology appealed because it was a mix of primary, of, of acute care, heart attacks, mm-hmm. and more chronic care, where you really get to follow patients for a long time. Some procedures, but not completely procedural. It's just a nice mix of, of things for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And what? when did you... Get out of your residency. You well, know, I
1: finished, my, I finished my residency in 1997, uh, and then finished my cardiology fellowship in 2001.
0: Okay, so 2001, you're you're out into the big, yep. big bad world, Real and world. and now you are a cardiologist, right? Correct. Well, now, you know, help me, help educate me yep. here on. There's probably lots of different types of cardiologists, like sure. interventional and different. Right. What what kind of cardiologist were you?
1: So I was what they call an invasive, non-interventional cardiologist. Cardiology, just like everything else, has gotten really subspecialized. And I didn't want to do, I did a little bit of everything in my training program. I put in some pacemakers. I did some stents. I did a lot of heart catheterization, stress test, echoes, you know, everything. Really a broad base. But I didn't want to just be in the cath lab all the time. So I didn't want to be an interventionalist when you put the stents in. I didn't want to be an electrophysiologist when you put pacemakers in. I didn't want to be a heart failure specialist when you put in, you know, ventricular assist devices and things. So I wanted to be a general cardiologist. So I decided I wanted to continue to do heart casts where we squirt the dye in. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure. And look at the blockage in the heart arteries. But then I had to call in one of my partners to do the fixing, the stenting.
0: Okay. So, so that's what you mean when you say non-interventionalist. Or, right. okay, okay, all right. So you're you're doing that, and you started doing it in 2001 or so. Yep. And um, you know, season three of this this podcast is is about w- when the person I'm interviewing kind of had their Galileo moment mm-hmm. when they had that aha moment that was like, mm-hmm. you know what? Yep. I think there's something to plants and the power and the power of plants that is absolutely undeniable. And you have such a powerful awakening that it shifts the course of your, of your destiny and of your life's work and your belief system. So, you know, I'd love to know when and how that happened with you.
1: Yeah. I'd love to share that. So that I call that my epiphany. Um, You know, I enjoyed cardiology. I still do. Uh, my partners have been great. By the way, they've been very supportive, incredibly supportive of my sort of my my right turn here. Um, love my patients. Still continue to speak with so many of them. It was about twenty thirteen, and I I had realized over the first twelve years of my practice that. You know, I, no matter, I was also a lipidologist. So I was a cholesterol expert boarded in lipidology, um, cholesterol metabolism. And and so I had patients where I thought they were perfect. You know, their blood sugar is perfect. Their blood pressure is perfect. Their cholesterol is perfect. They're on all the right medications, but I was a little bit disappointed and shocked, frankly, at the number of patients that would continue to have recurrent events even though you, they seem to be well-managed on all the right stuff. And I didn't have anything else to – I had no other tools in the toolbox, you know, to offer them. And, and that, I think, that kind of learned helplessness a little bit, contributes to the whole physician burnout thing. I kind of hesitate to use the word burnout, mm-hmm. but uh, I think that's, you know, it's a real thing. And in 2013, I had a patient come see me. Who was in his mid-sixties, actually spent part of the year in Ohio, near Cleveland, uh, and part of the year uh, in, actually in Black Mountain. I mean, it's incredible how where yeah. stock has been. It really is interesting how all these connections have happened. But this man is a guy who changed my life. In fact, I just I, I'm putting my my mud water tea on top of the card that he's recently sent me, a Christmas card that I still have on my desk, because it just reminds me of where I came from. So he had had two open heart surgeries, two cabbages, we call them coronary artery bypass graft CABG cabbage. So if you hear me say cabbage, that's what I mean. Open heart surgery, taking the arteries out of your wrist, out of your chest, the veins out of your leg, and literally reconnecting them from your aorta, the major blood vessel coming out of the heart around the blockage so that you're bypassing the obstruction, bypassing the blockage. And he had had two of those procedures and he was having angina, exertional chest pain every day. So he's having he's taking about three to five nitroglycerin pills under the tongue for relief of his chest pain every single day. And obviously very frustrated. In fact, was a little bit tearful in the office and recounting to me that he can't do what he wanted to do. Recently retired. And um, he had come to see me for a second opinion because it had been recommended to him that he have a third open heart procedure. And the first question he asked me was, how many patients have you had who've had three? And I had had two. And he said, "And, and how are they doing? And I said, unfortunately, they're both deceased. They did get some, you know, some quality of life for a little bit of time after that third procedure, but you're, you've run out of, you run out of what they call conduits at that point. You're, you don't have any more bypasses to use that are yours. So you're using, you know, bypasses from cadavers and your body sort of rejects those. And okay. so.
0: Can we stop for a second? I just, yeah. I just want, I want our listeners to understand this whole bypass thing oh, yeah, a little better. Yeah. So when you say that he had run out of conduits, right? So. You, you basically take vessels from your own body, right? So, and, and, and typically where do these vessels come from? You said, I think the wrist and the yeah, leg.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we're talking about replacing coronary arteries. So we prefer, we'd like to use arteries to be the bypass conduits. So the ones that really seem to work the best are the internal memory arteries, which run right down here on either side of your, your breastbone, your sternum on the inside of your chest. Those work quite well, really, really well. Um, we use the radial arteries here and the wrists leading up to the base of the thumb. Um, we, we've used a couple of others in the past, but those are the arteries that we typically use. And, and conventionally we also use the veins in the leg. Yep. But then we're asking veins to serve as arteries and, yep. and they just don't, they, they don't work as well as we wish they did.
0: So, so tell me with these, these bypass procedures, Typically, um, I've heard some stats, but I want to know if, if, if you've heard the similar ones. Yeah. Um, what percent usually fail uh, after like one and a half, two, three years?
1: Yeah. So that was actually data that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is a kind of the Bible of medicine. That was 2009. And the data that they shared was that it was about 30 plus or minus a couple percent, okay? 35% to 50% of vein grafts. We'll develop about a seventy-five percent narrowing within twelve to eighteen months. Yep. Not, yep, that's it's not what you want to hear when you're having your third open heart surgery.
0: No, and then so you have better results when you're using arteries from yep. the wrist or the.
1: Generally the, speaking, yes,
0: right. Um, and then what happens when you take a <laughs> when you take that artery from the wrist that goes? You said I think you said to the thumb. What happens there? Do you need a replacement uh, there, or does a
1: no no, no. so you're, you've got a, a radial artery here, and you've got an ulnar artery here, Yep. and there's kind of a, a circle in your hand, so you can feed your hand as long as you've got an ulnar artery that works, so we do a test to make sure that you have a working ulnar artery before we carve out your radial artery, and you can perfuse your whole hand just from the ulnar artery because of that circle in in there,
0: got so, it. you know, it's so, like
1: having two kidneys. Why do you have two kidneys? One seems to do okay. Right,
0: right, so you have some redundancy there, and it works. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay, so I, I cut you off, but if you could continue with that, the patient. So yeah, he's looking so, at yeah. looking at so three, he's looking
1: at the third, right? He's the three peat we call that, and you think there's got to be another way. And as as luck would have it, I had get, been given a book by a patient of mine called Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. Never heard of. It. Your dad. <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's amazing. It truly is amazing how this happens. Right. So I had read the book and, and I had tried a couple of things. I had, I, at that point was not completely plant-based. I went completely plant-based. My cholesterol dropped 45% in a month. So I said, listen, your symptoms are stable. This is not an emergency. Okay. This is not an emergency procedure. Go try this, read this book and come back and see me in three months. Three months later, he came back He's lost 27 pounds, which was needed, but not full, right? His cholesterol dropped 100 points. And as a lipidologist, I have to say, there's nothing that I was trained to do or offer you that would have been as impactful as simply changing what you ate. And that was my moment. That's when I said, I've got to find out more about this. And I have a feeling this is going to change my my life and my career. and, And it has.
0: And so, as a cardiologist, as somebody that's trained to use a certain certain set of tools, yep. and now you're you're facing this kind of whole new paradigm. It, can you remember at first thinking, ah, you know, I I I I don't wanna, I don't want to I don't want to look I don't want to look through the telescope and see that and go too far into that because it's going to really mess with my life and confuse me. I mean, was there any of that for a little while?
1: No, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've obviously talked to a number of doctors who shared that because or else you just have incredible insight.
0: No, I haven't. This is no. Yeah, I haven't, that,
1: yeah. that was um, that that really took a lot, took me some time. It was not an overnight thing where I said, OK, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I began to read more and more about it and study more and more about it. Plant based nutrition and lifestyle medicine in general. I became board certified Well, well, let's see. First, I started offering CHIP, the Complete Health Improvement Program, here in Asheville in 2014. And I heard two things from that. I heard patients say, I've never, I haven't felt this good in years, which is not something that my patients had been telling me in the cardiology office on 10 different medications and side effects and just felt bad, right? And the other thing they said was, Why has my doctor never told me this before? Yeah. That was another moment when I thought, you know, what am I going to do here, right? Am I going to bury my head in the sand and making good income as a cardiologist and stay with that, try to do the best I can, or am I going to do something different? So 2014, we started doing CHIP. 2016, we started the Ornish Lifestyle Medicine Program here that I know you're familiar with. Uh, 2017, became board certified in lifestyle medicine and told my practice that I was going to have to leave the practice. Um, to, to I'm still going to be the medical director of cardiac rehab at my hospital system, but I'm not seeing one on one cardiology patients now because I decided I needed to be a lifestyle medicine physician. And that's when we started a new, new practice. So um it was very scary and uh it took a lot of uh a lot of prayer and thought. Yeah. And uh it was not it, it was about a two year transition for me.
0: And so so you were at Asheville Cardiology and Mission Heart, right? And um how many cardiologists are there uh, at that hospital?
1: We've added a couple uh, since I left in August. I think now we're probably up to 27. Okay. So plus or minus.
0: 27. Yeah. And I got, so I have a couple questions for you about that. Of those 27, how many are also plant-based like you are?
1: Um, I'd say right now, completely, maybe two.
0: Uh-huh. And... Of those twenty-seven, did, were they willing to hear what you had to tell them about your results with your patients, yeah. and how yeah. do they take that?
1: They invited me to to give cardiology grand rounds and talk about the program that we were going to bring the Ornish program, in particular. Uh, and Chip, uh, they were very, very supportive. They were very open-minded. Lots of good dis- questions. Lots of good discussions. Yeah. Uh, kind of like patients. You know, I'm interested. I'm not sure that I'm ready to could, to jump in with both feet yet, but I hear you. Uh, we'll support your intensive cardiovascular rehab program and send patients to you. Um, they um, they're like most people, you know. Some of them said I'm all in. Some people said I'm I I'm skeptical, and a lot of people in the middle said uh, I'm interested. And you sort of plant the seed and let it grow at its you know over its natural time. Everybody's a little different.
0: Yeah. yeah. So so you gave that. <laughs> That story of that one patient—they—they they came in. He was looking, staring at his third. Um, was it you say, open heart? Yep. Third open heart. Oh my gosh, can't even imagine. Yeah. And, and where where is he today?
1: He moved back up to to Ohio. Um, can't think of the name of the town. It's somewhere near Cleveland.
0: Meaning, um, meaning, how's he doing? Oh, he's doing great. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. He and let's see, that had been been eight years. In eight years. I, I know that he had a stent in one of his bypasses. I don't, I don't know more than that. He's yeah. also suffering a little bit from Parkinson's disease, which plant-based diet will help there as well, frankly. Yeah. Um, but he's had, instead of having bypa- third bypass surgery, he's had one stent in seven years, which is seven or eight years now. So yeah, much better.
0: Yeah. And then, um, so after him, you started working with other patients and did you get really nice success? With oh, okay. other patients? Yeah. Again, yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's a spectrum. I mean, I think people who go all in, it kind of depends on where you are. I mean, the people who were like him, kind of desperate at the end of the road, they right. were the ones who were a little more motivated to say, what, you know, I'm going to go all in. I, I'm going to embrace this completely right out of the gate. Some other people say, well, I'm going to dabble. And I, I would say, look, there's data to, to, to support that the further you go towards that plant based end, the better your outcomes are going to be. I support wherever you want to be on that spectrum. Yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, not be your doctor because you you're gonna have steak once a week instead of every night. Um, but uh, you know, it depends on how you do. If you have another event, we're gonna we have to ratchet it up a notch. And the problem with heart disease, as you know, is that next event may be your last event. So that that's pretty tricky.
0: Yeah. If you or someone you know has been affected by heart disease, I wanna invite you to join us for a free educational event on Thursday, March 18th from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. This virtual event will be the first in a series of new educational touch points, aptly named RIPs Rescue. In each one, I'm going to connect you with medical luminaries who will provide insight and actionable steps that you can take immediately to stop the progression of chronic Western disease. In this first event, you'll hear more from Dr. Brian Aspil, plus my parents Ann and Essie, as well as a longtime patient of my father's, Jim McNamara. All to help you do what you can to make yourself heart attack proof. As firefighters, we're trained to be first responders to any emergency. Now that I'm a retired firefighter, I want to be your first line of defense. I want to help you rescue yourself from all these chronic diseases, one paper tiger at a time. Visit the show notes to register or simply go to plantstrongpodcast.com and click the link inside this week's episode. We want everyone to know that heart disease can be prevented. It can be stopped in its tracks and you can make yourself heart attack proof. So you mentioned lifestyle medicine. I, you know, I did a little, a little homework here and I found out that, that, uh, and this is so crazy to me that you, of everybody, of everybody out there on the planet, you were the first person to become registered in lifestyle medicine. You were like zero, 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 one. How crazy is that? And I love the fact that you were number one and you were a cardiologist.
1: Yeah, that's kind of unusual, isn't it? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that I was walking through at the board meeting at the um, lifestyle medicine annual sessions, taking the exam at the end of the end of the sessions. And someone came up behind me and was screaming down the hall, number one, number one. And and I thought, what is that lunatic doing? And I realized not until he was right on me that he was talking to me. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you're the first person to register for the exam. Your certificate's going to be number one. You have to pass the exam but you're going to be number one. <laughs>
0: so, well, basically, you are the Jacques Cousteau of lifestyle medicine. Jacques Cousteau was number one when it came to scuba diving, you know, kind uh, of uh, certificate. Just so for our listeners that don't quite understand lifestyle medicine, can you kind of give us a short overview of the difference between lifestyle medicine and primary care or yeah, primary yeah. medicine?
1: Yeah. So lifestyle medicine is all about the evidence based and I'll stress evidence based um, practice of helping people adopt healthy behaviors uh, to sustain health and well-being. It's not just health. Let me make that clear, too. It's also well-being because you can be healthy and be need a lot of work done um, mentally, psychologically, emotionally. So it just resonated with me. Lifestyle medicine really kind of looks at six different focuses uh, plant-based nutrition. Well, nutrition specifically, whole food plant-based nutrition would be one. Yep. Uh, exercising more, stress management, sleep, which is important. If you don't have, if you don't sleep well, you don't have the energy to really dive into this stuff. Toxin avoidance. So things like smoking cessation, risky alcohol use, you know, benzodiazepines, uh, opioids. Major crisis. Everybody's familiar with. And then the piece that really attracts me a lot, too, is the connection piece, the social connection piece, because Mm -hmm. none of us can do, you know, it's very difficult to do this by yourself, life, and, and behavior change. So you need, you need connections. So lifestyle medicine really looks at all that. Primary care is just the doctor who's primarily in charge of your care, your doctor, you know, your general practitioner, your internist, your family practitioner, that's primary care. So primary care docs, you know, historically, many of them aren't have not practiced lifestyle medicine, um, but now more and more of them are being board certified in lifestyle medicine and using that as sort of the foundation of treating their patients. Instead of saying, "Okay, you're you're overweight with diabetes, we're going to put you on metformin, and you have high blood pressure, and we're going to put you on lisinopril," let's let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about we let me educate you about the importance of lifestyle behaviors and plant-based nutrition, and maybe that would be what you want to try first before the medicines, or maybe we use them both and then wean the medicines off just a a complimentary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tell me this as a, um, lipidologist as well. Mm -hmm. How, how important do you, uh, what kind of a red flag is elevated cholesterol level in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a major red flag. Bill Roberts, you know, would say, he published AJC, American Journal of Cardiology for years would say, you know, it's sort of the sine qua non of of heart disease. You can't, if you don't have high cholesterol, you're not going to have heart disease. Um, We have seen patients certainly who've had heart disease, who've had, quote, normal range cholesterol, depends on, of course, on how you define normal. But, you know, if your cholesterol is under 150, your total cholesterol is under 150, your LDL, your bad cholesterol is under 70 something we call non HDL, which is total cholesterol minus the good is yeah. under about hundred. You're in a pretty safe zone there. But if you're not, if you're at the, you know, 200 total cholesterol level, which for years right. uh, was, was touted as sort of the target to be below that. That's not, not going to protect you. You're, you're going to have trouble.
0: Hmm. So what do you think? And I, I think we've kind of talked about it here, but I just want to bring it up again. I mean, I feel like cardiology, um, they almost can't see the forest through the trees. And, and, uh, do you think that's because it's a conflict of interest is, you know, with, if I can make 50,000 for this stent and 110 for this open heart, uh, like you said, I mean, maybe they have their head in the sands and they don't want to see the evidence. I mean, I just, I just can't imagine a, a doctor in 2020. That's not reading the research and staying up to date with that. And, uh, you know, I can see it going back to the 1990s when my dad and Ornus were really the only guys that were doing it. But now it seems like it's much more, I'm not going to say mainstream, but it's out there between uh, Kim Williams and, you know, a lot of others. This is, uh, I I almost feel like you have to be trying to look the other way not to have smelled it or, or seen it or heard about it in the last decade.
1: Wow. I mean, there's so many that takes me in so many directions mentally, you know, first kudos to Kim Williams, um, who, you know, when you're hearing you speak, it reminds me of him saying, you know, there are two types of cardiologists in the world, right? Those who are plant-based and those who don't know the data. Um, and I don't want to, I know I'm going to die, but I don't want it to be my fault. That's right. (laughs) So, you know, I love that. And I told him, I love that when, when I was at plant stock and, um, you know, I think it has. A, there's a lot of reasons that that cardiologists still do what they do. One is that, um, you know, there. This is still what we're trained. I mean, you're trained to do a certain thing. We're trained in pharmacology. We're trained in procedures. We've spent years working on our knowledge of different medications, different interactions. We've spent years working on honing our skills in the cath lab, and we kind of do what we do. I mean. We're To add plant-based nutrition, or for this matter, any other thing that has been in the future will prove to be something that we ought to be adopting, it's, it, you got to learn how to use the new tool. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a busy practice environment, seeing more and more patients in less and less time, it is incredibly difficult to pull out that new tool, have time to learn how to use the new tool. It took me a long time to study for the American College or the Lifestyle Medicine Boards, um, That's not something that just happens overnight. It takes a lot of time. And that's one thing we don't have. And the other thing is, when we're seeing patients, Mm -hmm. if I have seven minutes to see you, it is far easier for me to write a prescription for you than to say, you know what, we need to talk about your nutrition. Oh, wait, we only got two more minutes. We'll have to talk about it next time. I'll say, why don't you come back in three months? You know, it's just this never ending circle. I I applaud them for everything that they do. Uh, I will tell you that my joy in practicing cardiology was completely restored uh, when I was able to share with my patients all that I learned from studying for the board exam, Mm. lifestyle medicine. And um, it was just a different style of practice. We're still managing the same thing. I was still managing coronary disease, still managing atrial fibrillation, still managing diabetes, hypertension, obesity, cholesterol, but just in a different way. And what I found is that patients really, that's what they want. That's what they want. So, you know, I I we'll get there. We're gonna get there. And the other thing is that the 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 lifestyle medicine residency curriculum is now out there. Uh, yeah. we're training the new doctors a lot more in nutrition than than the old school like me were trained. And so they're gonna have that tool in their tool, tool belt when they come out and it's gonna be better for everyone.
0: When you say that's what the that's what the patients want, were you referring to the lifestyle, the new lifestyle, or the pills and just that. No. That's, okay. I
1: want to know that they are, right. they have power. They love being empowered yeah. to care for themselves, to, to understand that this isn't something that's just some unavoidable process that's happening to me. This is, this is, I have control over this and I just need to get educated. I need the education first. I think that's always the first part. You don't know what you don't know. And then you need the opportunity to build the skills and the support as you're building those skills. And I I just saw the light come on for so many patients when they thought, wow, you know, I can do this myself. Yes, you can.
0: Yeah. No, to me, there's 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 nothing as powerful as a uh, as a patient taking control of their health. And um, really, I I like to say rescuing their health themselves. Right. Uh, Because they are in control ultimately. Um, But they just many of them don't know it. Right. They think, oh, it's it's bad genes or, you know, it's uh, it's my parents. It's it's my um," they like to blame it on their maybe their doctor or their whatever their friends. But, yeah, I have I have just found that when somebody really decides to own this, there's there's no stopping them. I want to pivot and and talk and throw this out at you. So today we just we just crossed five hundred thousand people. Uh, dying from COVID-19. I looked on the CDC website and it shows that on average, we have about 655,000 Americans that die from basically um, heart disease every year. So it's it's about 155,000 more than have died of COVID in the last year. And to me, the tragedy in all this is that and and i'd love to hear your, your opinion is that that 655k could probably be cut <laughs> eight, it could be down 80% if not more so if people would embrace what you're prescribing now with your lifestyle medicine and then the spillover effect into the people that are dying from covid because they don't have the heart disease and they don't have the hypertension and the you know morbid obesity that number would probably be drastically lower as well I just find it all so very tragic. we It, we're is, having,
1: it yeah. is, You know, I, I can honestly, I can hear the emotion in your voice. Um, the common denominator really in a lot of this COVID cardiovascular disease, yeah, all other chronic diseases is, is inflammation. You know, our bodies are just, we're beating them up all the time with what we eat and, what we're drinking, what we're smoking, not resting, not exercising, and we're chronically inflamed and uh, we can't, we can't, that's not ever going to yield optimal health. And so when you, the nice, what I love most about lifestyle medicine is that it, it's not, I'll never say that anything is a complete panacea. However, if you really do change your life, change what you eat, change how you move, change how you sleep, honestly, even change how you think. How you yeah, think of, uh, this the mental piece. It all it treats it all, and it really treats it all. You lose weight, your inflammation, your heart's better, your immune system's better able to fight off bacteria and viruses like coronavirus. Um, you're never bulletproof, but you're pretty damn well armored. Uh, <laughs> you if you eat right, you are, and it it just um, there's nothing else out there. There's no pill out there that that uh, tax so many different disease processes so i am hundred percent agree with you a thousand percent agree with
0: you yeah yeah so remind me when did you um when did you take that detour and when did you leave um astral cardiology
1: so i left in august um i was rehired as the medical director of heart cardiac rehab for mission health so mission hospital and several outlying hospitals um, did you January. see that
0: happening? Did you see that happening? Was that part um, of your... Yeah, I thought,
1: of I thought that was going to happen. Um, you know, uh, this is one of those moments in any podcast when you wonder if you should say this. So I'm going to say this. Um, we, Mission Hospital, decided to get rid of their honors program at the end of December. And I was, I, was, um, I had to go through the stages of grief. And I was I was pretty pretty uh, incensed, frankly, by the whole thing because I knew it was a financial decision. I get it, but I'm not happy about it. And mm-hmm. so I was going to say, "No way, no way!" Do I want to do this? You're getting rid of my baby. You know, this is I know this works, and they're they're going to transition, pivot to the Pritikin system. I know you're familiar with that too. And a lot of your listeners, you know Nathan Pritikin, the Pritikin Center in Miami. We're going to start that probably in June, probably. Some legal stuff needs to be done, but that's in process. The the problem, the reason I said yes, there were two reasons that I said yes. Number one is that only 20% of people chose Ornish. You had to opt into Ornish. And it's a heavy lift, as you know. There's a lot is required of you there, okay? There really is. It's eight hours a week for nine weeks. Um, But only 20% of people chose that. And the Pritikin system is going to be the default cardiac rehab system for mission health. So everybody's going to go through Pritikin. So the the reach is greater. I like that. Um, I can't really compare it to Ornish, which I really loved um, because I haven't done it yet, but I'm learning about it. The other reason I said yes is that um, I'm really excited about doing a uh, pilot project. They'll just very briefly tell you, It has to do with discharging patients from the hospital, not only with their discharge medications, but with their discharge food Mm. and and how we will get it to them over a period of a month. And I think if we do that, I think everybody wins. I think the hospital wins because readmission rates are going to go down and the patients are going to win because they're eating the right foods. Um, The doctors win because they're going to get the experience of the patients not getting readmitted and their light bulbs are gonna continue to glow brighter and brighter. And they're gonna say, I remember Brian talking to me about this, making a difference. And uh and then it's gonna get published in the in the medical literature. And then more doctors are gonna see it. Pritikin wins because they're gonna get, you know, it's gonna, they're gonna have to give the patients the food. Um, I just love projects like that where I don't see a loser.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. We like, we like no lose. Yes. So, so I uh, so I have a question for you. So I know that you know the the Pritikin program used to be pretty darn pure as far as being whole food plant based. Has it um, has it gotten a little muddy over the years? I mean, do you, have you looked at the program and do they, do they allow egg whites and some low fat dairy and stuff like that? And you know, maybe that's part of the spectrum. But
1: yeah, I, I think it is part of the spectrum. And you know, I, I don't have any long term experience with them since I'm just getting into this now, but. You know, Ornish said egg whites and no fat dairy. Not completely. It's not plant pure. Um, Pritikin, just look from what I was looking at this morning, actually. Uh, fish, you know, occasionally four ounces of fish, you know, fatty fish, salmon, anchovies, sardines, that sort of thing. Um, it's not plant pure. It's not. And that was another issue for me as I, I decided to agree to do that. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't I wasn't sure if I wanted to put my stamp on that, quite honestly, so to speak. Uh, but I think it's just a, it just gives you a, it gives you an opportunity. It gives me a megaphone. Yes. Yeah. You know, this is the program. Let's really dive into the data. Yeah. And I will say that Critican says it's really interesting. They said, you know, the best outcomes, the reversal, if you want reversal, this is what they said in the literature that I read this morning. If you want reversal, You need to go whole food, plant-based. Yeah. But this is a heart-healthy diet. So, what you know, do you want best outcomes? Do you want slightly less than – I want 87% of the best outcome, okay? So I'm going to eat fish, three-ounce portion every other Thursday. You know, it gets uh, gets slippery, and and you kind of wonder, honestly, if they don't just say, this is what we think people can do, so we're going to propose this instead of this is what is best – and we're not sure that how many people are going to do it, so we're not going to roll that out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in just sharing. This is the data, yeah. And now you get to decide what you want for you, mm-hmm. and I will support you in that. And I'm going to push you as far as you'll let me push you to whole food plant based because I know that that's the best outcome for you. But you are the one who gets to say you've got complete veto power here, and you can say no, nope, I'm not ready for that yet. No problem. It's a process. We're gonna we're gonna loosen the lid. And then we're going to take the, take the lid off next time.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, that sounds good. I'm glad you're doing that. What, um, what else do you have? Anything else that's uh, really exciting you uh, these days?
1: Oh, it's super exciting. So we, we um, co-founded a business called Ruckus Health. Ruckus, creating a ruckus.
0: Yep. Uh, yep. You know,
1: um, disrupting a current sick care system and making it a healthcare care system. So uh, we've, several of us uh, are working on that project right now. And that really is what's taking most of our time. We're, we're excited about where that's going to lead us. Uh, we could talk about that a long time. But I'll, I'll leave it there for now, but we really just want to collaborate with anyone who's interested in supporting people as they recover their innate ability to live in physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual balance. That's what we do.
0: I like it. Ruckus, baby. Ruckus health. Um yeah. Let me ask you this before um, before I let you go. What'd you have to eat today so far? What'd you have for breakfast? Let's start there.
1: Oh, great question. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of a creature of habit, although not as habitual as as it sounds like your dad is. I had kind of have your dad's breakfast. So I, I had um, oatmeal, a bowl of oats. In the winter, I have oats with a banana cut up for the sweetener. Yeah, half an apple, and then I microwave that so it just, you know, stir it all up.
0: Is that apple sliced up as well?
1: It's chopped up. Yep. yep. Half an yep. apple chopped up. That yep. apple gets kind of soft. The banana just turns into the oatmeal. I mean, you can't, there's no banana pieces in it anymore. It's just sweetened oatmeal. The riper the banana, the better, because it, I like it sweet. No added sugar. And then, let's see, then a, about a half a cup of mixed berries. Uh, Wyman's is what I use frozen because I put the frozen berries in there and, and it cools it off to where I can eat it faster. And then two tablespoons of flax meal. Yep. And then about maybe a quarter cup of walnuts, a quarter cup of pepitas, you know, pumpkin seeds, the green ones. I love those. Yep. Um, occasionally a few almonds, occasionally a little bit of hemp seeds, hemp hearts. And I think, oh, and cinnamon and a couple of good shakes of cinnamon and a pinch of salt.
0: How big is that bowl? That sounds like a, a bit of a mother bowl right there.
1: I have learned how to fill up the bowl without it in the microwave oozing over like a lava
0: yeah. into
1: the microwave where you have to clean it up. Yeah, I'm 90% clean free. <laughs> and it probably, this thing probably weighs about a pound. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, yeah. it's a bowl as big as my head. It's a it's, good start for breakfast. Um, for lunch, actually I had leftovers. I had tofu tacos. I did a little cooking demo yesterday and, yeah. um, for for Appalachian Sustainable Agriculture Project. I'm the president of the board for ASAP, local wow. movement. And uh, they wanted me to do a little video. So I, I videoed tofu tacos and I had that for leftovers for lunch.
0: Nice, nice. And is your is your family on board?
1: Uh yes. Not not hundred percent though. My my wife is hundred percent on board. My older son's in college, and my younger son is a sophomore in high school. My boys are probably I'd say they're 90% on board, you know, I mean, they eat what I make. I'm generally the cook at at my house. And so we, you know, supper together all the time, breakfast together all the time. Lunch is kind of on your own. And, you know, occasionally the boys might sneak in, you know, chicken into a uh, salad or something. But um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I can say with confidence, I'd say 90% kids, 100% parents.
0: Yep. Yep. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, well, well Brian, I want to thank you for being part of the Plan Strong podcast. I want to thank you for your for your courage and for making this detour that is really going to be impactful and for doing your your best to, you know, help help further the mission of people seeing the light and uh, and being an advocate for people's health. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Rip. Appreciate
0: it. And thanks to you for doing the same. Oh yeah. All right. Peace. Peace. Engine two. Engine two. Keep it playing strong. Yeah. All right. Okay. Don't forget. March 18th. You're going to hear from Dr. Aspill, Plus my father, my mother, and myself. It's live. It's free. And it's going to be our first Rips Rescue event called make yourself heart attack proof to register visit this podcast episode page at planstrongpodcast.com. Next week, I'm thrilled to welcome Team Shurzai, Doctors Dean and Aisha Shurzai back to the Plan Strong Podcast to talk about the release of their upcoming new book, The 30-Day Alzheimer's Solution. From heart disease to neurological disorders and beyond, we're here to help eradicate chronic Western disease the Plan Strong way. Hope to see you next week. And one other insider note for our podcast listeners. We're about to open our Rescue 10X Mindset Mastery Program to those who are on the wait list. This program only is offered a few times a year and gives people who need it 10 weeks of group coaching, accountability, and support. If you've tried absolutely everything but can't stay on track with a Plan Strong Lifestyle, This program is for you. If you wanna finally jump off the cycle of yo-yo dieting and get yourself in the mindset for success, I wanna invite you to check out the program. Go to rescue10x.com, that's the number 10 followed by the, the letter X, and enter your phone number. We'll then text you a VIP discount code as soon as the program opens. Don't miss out. Visit rescue10x.com or click the link in the show notes today. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to subscribe, rate and review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the great news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything to me. Have you had your own Galileo moment that you'd like to share? What happened when you stepped into the arena and shed the beliefs that you thought to be true? I'd love to hear about it. Visit plantstrongpodcast.com to submit your story and to learn more about today's guests and sponsors. The Plan Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Cordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Pablo B. Esselstyn, Jr., and Ann Kreil Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.